you're a fan of Excellence Expected, and you already know the power of podcasting. You know that it's second to none in building trust. You know that it's second to none in engaging with an audience. And you know that it can help you to create a tribe of loyal fans for your small business. Today, I'd like to introduce you to a company called The Podcast Host, created by my great friend, Mr. Colin Gray, a company that helps anyone, including you, to start their own show. Whether you want to learn to craft fantastic audio through their online courses or actually let them take care of the entire process with their end-to-end production services, all you need to do is do the presenting, send them your plain, mistake-filled audio, and they will do the rest. There is no technical knowledge required at all on your behalf. And because Colin and I get along so well, I've secured an amazing deal for you as a listener of Excellence Expected that is going to give you a huge 50% off your first month. So head to thepodcasthost.com forward slash excellence and use the code EXEX to take advantage today. Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. guys, welcome to another episode of Excellence Expected with me, Mark Asquith. Now, do you ever have the feeling that the fates are conspiring against you? This is an interview that we've been trying to record for probably the last two months, isn't it? It's something that we've been really struggling with. I'm going to tell you the story of that later on, but with no further ado, let me introduce what we are going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how you can pivot your business. And joining me today to talk through that is someone who has done just that in 2015. So it gives me a great, great pleasure to welcome to the show from Savvy Sexy Social, Amy Schmittauer. Hello. Well, hello, Mark. How are you again? Again, yeah. <laughs> Oof, we've had some trouble, haven't we? We were struck by, what was the first time? Well, you were stuck in a country, weren't you? Oh, I think I probably had a travel hold up. That's the only thing I seem to be rescheduling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second time, my circuit breaker blew, guys. And, oh, God. That, that was such a good conversation, too. I'm so glad it's, you know, I'm, I'm sad it's gone, but I'm glad we had it. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we got to chat. That's a great thing. It's just no one got to hear it. But yeah, uh, the, you should have seen my face, Amy, when that went. It was instant confusion, then upset and frustration, then embarrassment. And I was, oh, no, it was. Oh, so- and you can't be embarrassed about that because because these things happen all the time. And I've gone through all of those emotions for something before, which is really funny because I actually thought it was my fault because I always have so many technical difficulties. I'm like, I think he's gone. I think it's my fault. My internet must have gone out or something. And then you called me. Um, I think I called you again and it was like you were on your mobile, which is so funny. I was like, oh no. Okay. Well, at least it wasn't me. At least I know that I didn't break your, your show. Had I known that, I would have said, yeah, unbelievable. Amy. I can't believe your internet went down like that. That's, this that's, is all your fault. I'm going to have to call you another time. <laughs> yeah, look what you've done. Yeah, we should. Uh, that's that's a note for next time. So fingers crossed on this episode. I'm sure we'll rock mm-hmm. it. Though. I'm sure we will rock it. Now, just before we get into this, you've moved into your new apartment, haven't you? So that's, does that cap off a fantastic year for, for you? It really does. It more than anything is I'm a sucker for a new year. So for me to be in a new space, which is a new beginning for me, it just 
feels so good that it's just like done. I have a few things I've still got to do. Loose ends like, I don't know, getting furniture. Um, I'm in a very uh, hardwood floor and echoey room right now. So hopefully it's not too bad audio wise. But for me to be here and be able to have that fresh start is just such a good feeling. And it's also a culmination of how far I've come and how many changes have occurred this year. So very exciting. Do you know, it's one of those things where you kind of don't realize what you've achieved. You know, things creep up on you because you're so busy head down, working, working, working. And unless you get off to a conference and, you, you, know, you know, you know, you travel on a vacation, you don't get the time to step away. So I often feel something like this, as you say, it's kind of a validation that you're on the right path, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, and it's definitely going to be a trend that we talk about today, but, um, but pivoting itself, it's, it's so important. And I'm very black and white in the way that I think I'm probably the worst creative in that respect, but I'm always trying to stay the course, um, so that I know if I'm going to reach success or fail and then pivot. And, um, those pivots are really special moments. And this is definitely a big pivot in my life. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling. It's all good things going forward. I don't think you can ever regret something in the past, only learn from it. And that's definitely what 2015 has been for me so far. That's fantastic. I'm looking forward to digging into that. And I'd I'd like to just actually skip back to maybe, you know, January, February, early 2015 and look at actually where you were. So where were you in the first quarter, perhaps, of 2015? What was the business like? Where were you at? So the business changed significantly. At the end of 2014, I had decided that uh, consulting was not what I wanted to do, at least for the time being. So essentially at the end of the year, I had started planning, you know, what I'm going to talk about, but I had also, uh, that, that meant that I had to basically let everyone go that I was working with because I knew that it was not what I wanted to focus on in the following year. So essentially I fired all my clients at the end of 2014 and in early 2015, I was in the planning stages, the mid planning stages of, uh, workshop tour and some uh, new product from SavvySexySocial.com, a video content marketing product. So, uh, but the workshop itself was called Savvy Sexy Social Live. And that was basically a tour that I was doing in the spring uh, where I would go and actually be in person with these small businesses that I've been talking to through video content for so long get them in a room and be able to focus on creating video content in, in a format that makes sense for them, attending a workshop, getting as much information to go and execute as possible versus, you know, a lot of small businesses, they really cannot allocate a budget that calls for a four figure retainer for a consultant, which is what I had been doing up to that point. And, um, even if they could, I found the clients that I had really weren't executing. So the, the less execution, the less fulfilled I am. (laughs) And I wanted to do something more hands-on more uh, respectful to a small business budget and time and say, let's just get in a room for, you know, six to eight hours and talk about video from beginning to start and actually create a video product. And so that's what I was focusing on at the beginning of the year was really this event product that I wanted to test. And event planning is definitely something that uh, it takes a lot of testing and a lot of patience. And um, it was a great experience, but just really wanted to figure out if that was something that was a fit. And so that's really what I was planning big time in earlier this year. Let's talk about the, the firing of the clients for a second, because that okay. is such a, it's such an essential part of so many types of pivot. You know, you move from one set of people to another because that's what fulfills you. As you mentioned, you, you know, you're very hands on. What was that like? How did that feel for you personally? And, and also the second part of that question, how did, how did that 
get approached with the clients? How did you actually go about that? Well, I think the initial feeling is fear, but what I've learned about fear is that if you're scared, you should probably lean in, lean into it <laughs> a little bit um, in business anyway. And um, so there's, of course, that um, and really trying to figure out, you know, revenue wise, like it, is this a decision you can make and how are you going to allocate funds accordingly in order to sustain? Uh, but it was mostly a feeling of relief because I was having this relationship with these clients where rather than being a consultant or a coach, I was more of a therapist and I, I didn't like that role. I, I didn't want to get on a call every week with a client and talk about all the things I wish they were doing or I wish they were trying and them telling me why they couldn't or why I didn't understand, you know, what was going on in other aspects of the business and that um, they were just not going to be able to do that. I understand that it's my job to make my customers happy, but I, I also want to have a portfolio. I'm very excited excited about. So it doesn't do me any good to tell you like, Hey, here are some ideas and here is a strategy and here's what we should do. And then for you to not execute on it, at least, you know, a percentage of it, uh, it makes me look at my portfolio and just get kind of bummed out. Sure. I've got a lot of people that say they had a great experience with me and that's awesome, but you have to have a lot more than that to have an, ex have a successful business. So, um, for the most part, it was as abrupt as it sounds, but some contracts were just coming due for renewal anyway. And it was just sort of like, well, there's not going to be an option for renewal. So here's how we should phase this out. And in other cases, it was, can we please get on a phone call? We need to discuss this coming to an end, which one client in particular I'd been working with for four years. So that was a really, really big change. Uh, but I'd also connected them with a contractor I'd been working with and saying, you should continue work with them. They will work with you directly. They understand everything about the role. They've had a hand in part of the role and they're going to do just as good of a job. So really kind of saying, Hey, I'm not just going to leave you hanging here, especially after such a long time of working together. I'm going to sort of guide the process for you to be able to find a good fit to continue working with you. So I think there's a lot of things you need to do. And in order to not burn bridges, even if it's you're with, totally within your right to say, I'm, you know, I can't do this work for you anymore. But to be that connector still to your customer and say, you know, I can't do it for you anymore, but let's find out who can, because I know very well who can help you at this point. Um, somebody better than me because we haven't done great work together or somebody just as good as me because we've done great work together or otherwise, you know, how can you help them in that process? And that was absolutely something that was important to me because my clients are important to me. No matter what, I wouldn't have started working with them in the first place if that wasn't the case. So it was, it was um, a variety of approaches just depending on the client. That connection that you mentioned there, that's very, very important, isn't it? Because mm. it's, you know, people say the word fire in the clients and it's obviously, it's not quite as black and white as that. And oh, it's, no. it's, it sounds quite grandiose. It sounds quite cool, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm so confident I fired my client and, you mm -hmm. know, that's, that's, that sounds amazing. But yeah. actually it is all about being that connector because you don't mm -hmm. want to burn the bridges. So, okay, so you've gone through that process then. So what what did you create for Savvy Sexy Social? What What does it look like now at the end of 2015? Well, 2015 was quite the adventure. I mean, you talk about going through the springtime, which was the tour. So that was the big focus of spring, but also having a, a digital product, Addictive Video for Business was the um, product that I brought to fruition this year. And that did very well. It's definitely my best-selling product to date. But um, I also found that 
I started to miss the client experience a little bit, but there's so, so this is really what I wanted to navigate this idea of having a services based uh, business and events based business and a product based business. I did a lot of dabbling in those areas. Um, well, the events and the products based, you know, in later years versus services has been predominantly what I've done. So with all of those things in mind, it sort of got me to a place of, I miss the one-on-one, you know, I'm along with you on this journey. Um, but I don't know that my potential customer or my current type of customer can sustain that one-on-one consult, which is why I ended up firing everybody. But the people that I'm selling a product to, they really don't need a lot of handholding, but they would sure love to be able to check in. And the events were great because of having those in-person opportunities is just, there's nothing like that. There's still nothing like the personal connection that you have uh, at an event in person, or, you know, even, even a phone call can go further than a few tweets. So the more personal you get, the better, and the more you're going to know your customer. So I was thinking, you know, how do I kind of package all of these things in a way that makes sense for my small business? That's in a situation of major bootstrapping of their marketing strategy, but wants the help of somebody that they know and trust. And so that is how, at the end of 2015, the only product available is Social Authority Membership Group. And so it's essentially a place where small businesses can come and mainly small businesses who have a personal brand at the forefront. So really people focusing um, on that face and how that face is creating an inbound marketing strategy. So real estate agents, authors, I've got fitness trainers. Just if you think about that face of the brand, um, that's ten, that tends to be who my target audience is and therefore who is a social authority member. And so they get this opportunity to take my courses and get live trainings from me and um, instructors that I bring in. And um, there are in-person opportunities as I continue to do Savvy Sexy Social Live in sort of one-off, I'm visiting your city situations. Um, But also being able to have access to me on a scale that makes sense for both of us. So having the forum and having... Um, one hour consults that you can upgrade as a part of your membership. So now I sort of have this happy medium uh, that makes sense for scaling my business and being able to impact the businesses that I impact so well with my free content, giving them a place that they can afford as a part of their marketing strategy and get the best information possible to them, customized to them. And not only that, there's something to be said about a community helping each other. We're lifting each other higher every day. We're teaching each other every day. We're learning from each other mistakes rather than the vacuum that can be individual uh, business ownership. And um, it's very special. So after all that, you know, SavvySexySocial.com points to SocialAuthorityMembership.com. And the social authority membership as well came together really, really quickly, didn't it? When you think about, you know, the journey, especially that decision process, you're going from a service business to a service events and a product based business as well. So how did you, how did you take that apart? How did you decide what social authority would look like? You know, you've got to put something together that, that meets the expectations of your potential clients and your customers. How did you go about that? How did you identify what people wanted? 
Market research is very, very important, but I also have the luxury of having a number of years under my belt of not only coaching and consulting in those experiences, but I have sold product from SavvySexySocial.com for years as well. Um, And with that came a database of previous customers, not only one-on-one clientele, but those who have just purchased an informational product from me before. And anytime you want to find out if your customers are going to buy something from you, you have to sell it to them. And so it was really a pre-selling situation earlier, um, really in the mid spring of, Hey, this is the concept that I have built out only to previous customers was this offered saying, um, this is social authority membership group. I want you to be the inaugural class. You know, it's really not in classes, but I want you to be the first people that are a part of it because you understand what we teach here. You've been through a certain amount of curriculum already and um, you would be a good fit for this, therefore. So pre-selling it to a specific subset of people after doing that research as well um, is how it launched. If I had done that and, you know, my minimum number and that, that's very important that you do need to have that minimum, that goal for it to be a successful pre-launch. Uh, if it wouldn't have happened, social authority membership would not exist. But because um, a ridiculous percentage of previous customers uh, said, yes, we want this. And immediately, you know, I pre-sold it and had, you know, maybe 10 memberships in the first two days. That was an incredible metric for me to say, okay, this is a thing. And, um, we're going to move full speed ahead. The wonderful thing about pre-selling is it's the best way to ask your customers what they want. They have to pay with their wallet. You can go and survey them and they'll probably be like, yeah, yeah, we love you and all the things you do. But, um, yeah, we totally buy that unless they're putting their dollar forward and saying, yes, I want that. And yes, I want to be the first one in. You really don't know for a fact. So that was a very important part of the process because that was the indication to me that I should now spend time and resources building out what this concept was. Do you think people are a little scared of that pre-sale? Because the thing that always springs into my mind is that it's not a, it doesn't feel like a very traditional way of doing business. And I'm thinking about the people listening out there who have got the, perhaps the bricks and mortar style businesses and are looking at moving to a more online arena, you know, maybe something around a membership or taking their audience online. That feels, I guess it can feel a little bit cheeky, you know, the, that, the idea that you're asking for something from the customer before you've given them anything. Was that something you struggled with or did it come quite naturally that? I think it, it, I struggled with it years ago when I maybe did my first pre-sell um, of a product, but that makes total sense. That's a natural feeling because you feel like a fraud right? You're selling something you don't have. Well, that's not true. It is, if it's an, especially if it's an informational product, you do have it, but why are you going to sit in your office and compile this product that could take, you know, how many hours, who knows? It depends on what it is, but let's say a hundred hours. That's a lot of time. And then when you find out nobody wants it, you wasted all that time on something. So it's, it's a hard thing to grasp, especially if you start at brick and mortar, or you start at a tangible product, and then you're saying, okay, now I'm going to sell something out of thin air. But you don't 
keep the money if you don't sell something, right? If, if for some reason the product is not going to work out, you always refund your customer the money. Well, if the pre-sell doesn't work out, it's the same thing. So, um, and Tim Ferriss has been talking about this for years and now we have even more information that we can be measuring this, but it was, okay, I think I'm going to create this product. Let's find out if this audience likes it, setting up a sales page, putting a PayPal button there and seeing what happens. And based on the traffic and based on the conversions, what information are you getting from this? Do people want it because they put their dollar up and said, yes, we're expecting it by launch date. Then that's a pretty good indication that you should move forward with it. I am sure that anyone listening to this podcast is a good person and a good business and is not going to keep money for something that they don't fulfill. That's not the point. It can feel very much like, oh, I'm a sham. You know, I'm just selling something that I just thought the idea of. And now all of a sudden I'm going to say I can do it. If you can't do it, then you can't do it. It's over. But if you can do it and you put it out there and people say they want it, there's no better thing that can happen to you in business than for that to take place. And how are you not going to get off your butt and then full speed ahead, pump out that product and get it to those pre-launchers? Because now you know that there's going to be a greater community that's going to want this in the long run who will buy it when it's readily available for sale. And then you're talking about passive income in the situation of an informational product. Yeah, it's, it really is a powerful process. I remember when we were back in early 2015, myself and uh, John, Mr. Dumas from EO Fire, we were uh, just putting podcast websites together mm-hmm. and we just we just popped a date on it. You know, we're going to be doing this mm-hmm. and we're going to be launching the beta. And that was the very same thing. You know, it was a basically vote with your wallets and you, right. we, had, we had a surprising response. And you're absolutely right. Everything that you said, Amy, there about, okay, wow, hang fire. People have given us money for this. We should probably get this rolled out pretty quickly and make and sure it's fantastic. Let me come at it from, you know, the beginner perspective. I, you know, when I started SavvySexySocial.com, it was to drive clientele. So anyone on my list, you know, eventually I wanted them to hire me. I wanted to work one-on-one with them. Those were the beginning years. Um, but when I thought, you know, I have this product idea and it seems like a lot of people want it. People keep asking me questions about video. So that's how I came up with the zero to pro vlogger bootcamp. And I just thought, you know, I, I think I'm just going to tell my list about it. And I emailed my list. I set up a sales page and it was a very unsophisticated sales page. I, but I set up this page and I said, Hey, you know, uh, pre-launch price. I think I pre-launched it at 197 for a, a course that would end up being 397 at full launch. So if you bought it now and you were willing to wait a couple of weeks, because I knew that this product was going to be done in a couple of weeks, if I had the indication by my minimum goal and that end date that um, this was going to work out, uh, here's the here's the pre-launch, just letting you know about it. And within 24 hours of that email, which maybe I had a thousand or so people on my list, uh, this was very early on in the website, probably only a year in or something. I had eight buys in that first 24 hours. And I was like, holy crap. And, and it was suddenly this concept of people do want to work with me. They just couldn't hire me. And I gave them a way to work with me that actually is aligned with how they are learning and it's aligned with what they can afford and it's aligned with what they want to know from me. And that was my first indication of, oh, wow, this this idea of the informational product so that I can impact more businesses that I'm targeting. I am targeting such a small business. It's unfair for me to say, hey, thanks for watching my YouTube videos. By the way, I'm $10,000 a month. That That's not feasible for the small businesses that are coming to me for information. 
But if that's the case, how do I make that money in the same way, but just from multiple businesses in, in on a scale that makes sense for everybody? That's what it comes down to. It has nothing to do with being a sham. It has everything to do with packaging your product the way your customer wants it. I think we often forget that, you know, I think we think, feel that as, as business owners very frequently, we we package it how we want it to be perceived. And that is often mm-hmm. so far away from what people want. And one thing you mentioned sort of midway through that last that last sentence was something around just getting things done. And, you know, the idea of, of actually sitting down. I think it was the idea around the unsophisticated sales page. I, I sort of had a little smile to myself because mm-hmm. we all do that. You know, it's just, okay, let's stick a PayPal button on there. Mm-hmm. Or let's make a nice big headline and stick it in the middle. We have so many tools now today that we didn't have back then, or at least weren't as accessible back then that, you know, it was like, just create a page on your site (laughs) and embed the PayPal button. And it looked so terrible, but if you did a good job of selling with copy, it could work. Mm. But now we just have awesome tools that make it so much easier to do a pre-sell even. So it's, it's better today. It really is. It really, really is. And, and one of the things that I wanted to kind of pick up on was the idea of just getting things done. You know, you, you weren't Mm -hmm. held back by the idea that, well, I don't have the best kind of landing page for this, but hey, it works. You know, I think certainly personally, I feel that often we get bogged down with the the minutiae. We, we want to dig into the details because we're a little bit afraid of getting that product out because then it's open to feedback. Is that something that when you're working with clients, you know, you mentioned right early on in this conversation that people, you know, they maybe act on a very small percent of what you used to strategize with them. Is that is that just because sometimes they're afraid of actually putting themselves out there? Yes, absolutely. I mean, th- that is the hardest part, right? We have this certain, le- and this I deal with so often because I'm talking about video all the time. We're talking go- about 2016 right now. And um, Snapchat has six, whatever it is, six billion daily video views. And brands are finally saying like, wow, video really is a thing. but we've known this for so long, but the problem has always been not what kind of content are we going to create or who are we targeting or do they even watch YouTube and all that kind of stuff. It's more about this level of prestige that we really want our brands to have. And it's not that it doesn't have it. It's just not clear why that has to be the barrier for you. So in the instance of the sales page where it's like, okay, we kind of just tacked a few things together and we're hoping it's going to fly. These days you can do a little bit more than that and not spend more money or time. But it's true that you're just not going to do that in the first place. Cause you're saying this is, this is, this is not good. This is not, this is not what our brand is. And we're talking about a product that may or may not come to fruition. And then you just stop yourself from doing it. But I tell you what, if you're that brick and mortar or whoever, and you already have the product and you are so sure that that product is the bomb.com and you're just saying all people need is to have this product and they will know it doesn't matter. You still need good marketing, but I guarantee those those customers that wouldn't put up the sales page for a product that's in pre-sell, they would put up that janky sales page for their amazing product because they are so sure about the product. So it has everything to do with confidence, everything. And then using the tools at your disposal and saying, okay, this isn't the best, but does it do the job and does it do it justice? And we're going to get better from here. Cause guess what? When you do start selling that product and you know it it's going to be a success because pre-launch is indicating that that's the case and you're going to sell it going forward. You can upgrade everything because now you have that funding coming in in order to make that happen and in order to convert more sales for that product. 
Yeah, that, that is a really fantastic point. Perfectionism is the undoing of many a great product, service and business, mm-hmm. isn't it? You know, striving for that in the early days. And we are going to switch gear in a second to the, I'm going to say it's famous. It will be famous. And I think it probably is mm-hmm. famous in certain circles. The actionable takeaway section of the show. But before we do, I have one more question for you. 2015 has been, sounds like a bit of a roller coaster fun year for you and Savvy Sexy Social. How are you? How is Amy after that? I'm awesome. <laughs> I, I I mean, this this is this has been probably one of the most important years of my life, 2015. That's made it hard, and it's made it amazing, and it's made it <laughs> well traveled, and it's made it expensive. <laughs> but. Um, I know that I am stronger as a business owner and a, and a person because of 2015. And I have the utmost respect for this year that it has been. And I'm very excited for next year because of all the work that came out of this year, both professionally and personally, because I know that I'm going to be that much better in 2016. I just think 2016 sounds so sexy and just everything is aligned with that. So um, I'm excited. It does roll off the tongue, doesn't it? Do you feel more fulfilled? You mentioned, you know, when you were back in the in the consulting days, you know, late 2014, you were struggling with that fulfillment because it was less hands-on. Do you feel more fulfilled now you've pivoted? Absolutely. I mean, I, I was just doing office hours for social authority right up until we were on our call here. And I, I, I take that so seriously because that's some of the most regular contact that I have with my members. And like I said, I miss the client experience. I can sit here in my vacuum or I can go learn from the business owners who desperately need information from me and find out what are they struggling with right now? What are they winning at right now? You know, what, what do they need? What do they need that I can help them with? And that is where I get my strength. What people say a lot about me is, um, how do you have so much information in your head? There's so much here. I took a million notes and I feel like I have so much I can do. I'm very good at giving executables. And that's why that one-on-one contact with this membership group that I have is probably the most fulfilling work that I've done because I know I'm making an impact And I know that these are the businesses that are executing where before I was making an impact, but I wasn't seeing that execution. So it's, it's just that, that happy medium that we all kind of needed. And yes, I'm feeling very much more fulfilled at the end of 2015 than I was at the end of 2014. And you know, it's almost like we'd practice that because you mentioned executables, which is what Excellence Expected is all about, mm-hmm. giving people mm-hmm. action. I promise you, we'd not, we'd not practice that. That's not a rehearsal or anything. <laughs> well, that's what we'll tell people. But right. let's just talk about that for a second then. So, you know, after your, after your, Tumultuous. Is that the word? Tumultuous? Yeah, yeah that's pretty that's good. The right, kind oh. of. Ex- with an English accent, that's a really tough yeah, word. Yeah, it's, it's way better. A, a tough word. <laughs> After the year that you've had, if people are in a similar position where they're sort of feeling, you know, maybe less fulfilled or they feel like a pivot is on the horizon, what three pieces of actionable advice would you give to people out there? I think you have to first and foremost remember that you have 
so many resources already at your disposal. I often get the feedback of, I don't have a network. I don't have content. I don't have this. I don't have that. But it's not true. It's just a matter of what have you accomplished and what can you learn from that right now that you can execute on and then go and find the information outside that you haven't been able to execute to kind of weigh those things together. So do what you can with what you have where you are, Teddy Roosevelt. You have to take that advice or you're never going to get started. And then number two is get started. It doesn't matter if it's the janky sales page. It doesn't matter if it's an email just gauging interest to your list. It doesn't matter if you haven't even started your list. Start the list and just know that you are moving yourself forward every single day. And I think that the third thing really is tracking your successes. Like I said, much of this individual um, entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business ownership issue is that we really are in a vacuum a lot. And surrounding ourselves with people that lift us higher is incredibly important. But even more important than that is allowing yourself to have a small win and then celebrating it. If I can sit down every night and toast myself with a glass of red wine, which I prefer to do as as regularly as possible, (laughs) um, to the smallest thing, then that's good. That's how I say, Amy, you know, you're a person because sometimes I forget. Sometimes, you know, people ask me what my hobbies are and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I'm working like all the time. I need to have that moment of humanity and say, I did have a win today. Uh, Journaling has helped me quite a bit with that. But what was my win today? How did I win this day? Or even asking yourself in the morning, what would, what would success look like today so that I can measure it later and say, you did good, kid. Keep going. You did good, kid. I like that. You have to be able to measure that. It's like you said, we can keep going through the grind and nose to grindstone and just keep going and keep going and not reflect. And then it's just going to feel so frustrating. And somebody says to you, God, you've done so much. And you're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. There's still so much to do. And it's because you're not allowing yourself to measure that success. So for the sake of, (laughs) of sanity, be sure to do that no matter what small win it is, because if you truly don't have a win every day or at least once a week, then at least you can tell yourself, well, I know I'm not trying then. And I hope you are trying. And if you are trying, then you're going to have a small win every day. That's beautifully put. That is beautifully put. We are really all very, very guilty of nose to the grindstone and forgetting what we've done. What you said there about people saying, how have you done so much? And I can completely relate to that because, yeah, so many people that I know just they just go about the day, and it's just it's what mm-hmm. they do. They don't celebrate anything. So I think that's really really important. Thank you for that. That's fantastic. So, Amy, we are going to put a pin in this one, not least because some people have to go see Star Wars, which is a real geek fest. <laughs> it's a midnight showing, and you know what it's going to be like. It's, oh my gosh! Yeah, I can only imagine. It's going to be awful, and I, I, I'm getting to an age now where I'll fall asleep about midway through it, which is <laughs> just going to be embarrassing. Don't do that. I can't promise. I can't promise. But uh, (laughs) no, thank you so much for this. It's always fun when we chat. Thank you for taking the time out. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Where can people find you online? SavvySexySocial.com is where all my videos and podcasts live. And if you want to find out about the membership, it's all at SocialAuthorityMembership.com. Super stuff. Thank you so much. Guys, don't forget everything that myself and Amy have spoken about will be available at excellence-expected.com. And whilst you're over there, don't forget that you can pick up your free copy of the essential 14-day guide to cutting your working hours and increasing your impact. 
Thank you for tuning in. This half hour with us means a heck of a lot. Thank you so, so much for that. And don't forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adios. Adios.